Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's gotten a great deal of attention, and online harms legislation, actually. great deal of attention is being challenged by some of the most engaged experts in Canada, so it's being supported by a number of people uh, who have expertise in the area. Michael Geist is the Canada Research Chair in Internet Law and E-Commerce at the University of Ottawa, and he's a member of the Centre for Law, Technology and Society. And Professor Geist joins us on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Good to talk to you again, Professor. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, can, can you just tell us, please, because it becomes confusing when we're trying to absorb C-10 and everything that's followed since, can you explain the on, online harms legislation the Trudeau government is pursuing and what most concerns you about it? Sure. So so let's recognize, I mean, it was it a was good introduction in the sense that there is a lot happening, at least based on the liberal platform and uh, what they were moving towards just before the election call. So part of it is Bill C-10. That's the broadcast reform package that proved to be very controversial last spring. It ultimately passed the House of Commons, but didn't get through the Senate. And if it's to come back, we'll have to be reintroduced in the new parliament. There's also, just as an aside, a, a small online hate change to the criminal code. That was Bill C-36 that was quite literally introduced by the government in the very last hour of the last parliament. So that also would have to be reintroduced, but didn't really go anywhere at all. Uh, And then I think most notably is this online harms package, which hasn't been introduced as a bill yet, but was put forward over the summer as a consultation. They somewhat oddly consulted throughout the election campaign, or that's when it was running. They're now saying they won't even reveal the submissions that they received. But that has sparked from those that have made their submissions public an enormous amount of concern about the implications for freedom of expression, for for human rights, and even, I think, fundamentally, for Canada's standing in the world as, as a country that really supports those fundamental freedoms. What's the goal here? I mean, what's the objective? We have freedom of expression is constitutionally enshrined in this country, is it not? It is. And I think that some of these proposals really do raise some significant constitutional questions such that, you know, if they were to go ahead as currently framed, would be likely to face a a challenge in the courts. But, you know, from the government's perspective, there are real world harms taking place through social media companies or internet companies, and there is a need to act. And certainly we've seen over the last couple of weeks, but it's been been something that's been ongoing for some time. I think real concerns about some of the implications coming out of services like Netflix, but the oh, sorry, not, uh, Facebook rather. But the the I think the concern that arises out of these proposals is that the pendulum has swung in the government's mind so far in the other direction, with proposals that don't go to the heart of the problem, but rather address the symptoms in a sense that they do have these real implications for freedom of expression. And the government just seems at this stage anyway, content to say, so be it. So uh, the the minister's plan would see the creation, I guess this is inevitable, 
if a federal government starts to move forward on anything that they consider to be significantly important to them, the creation of a, of a greater bureaucracy, in this case a digital safety commission and a digital tribunal, what would their roles be? Yeah, they, I think the government's approach on a number of these issues has been to really enhance and expand the scope of, of bureaucracy that would be involved with regulating um, the online activities, in particular online speech. And so that would include C10 that empowered to a significant extent the CRTC. It would include some privacy rules that, that would create a new privacy tribunal. And in this instance, creating a new um, online, a new commissioner in charge of, of these rules, as well as a tribunal. And uh, the, the role that they would play are, are distinct in a sense that the powers to the new commissioner would be extremely broad. The power to conduct investigations, to receive complaints, very broad powers, in fact, is part of some of those um, part, of, part of those investigative powers. The tribunal would be called upon to rule on uh, whether or not con- on content moderation issues, whether content should be removed. And, and the proposal they put forward even envisioned the possibility of secret hearings in some instances for those kinds of hearings. So a significant new bureaucracy to be established. And in fact, the government says what they would like to see happen is that the companies themselves would pay for all of this. So the costs of creating this new bureaucracy would fall to the companies. The powers that they would have would be indeed very, very significant. So the federal government says the rules would affect only internet service providers, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, as examples, and that there'll be exceptions for private communications, but private communications are carried out through those internet service providers. Am I missing something here? They are. I don't think you're missing something. And I, and I, and I would distinguish between uh, internet service providers who we typically think of as being sort of the telecom type companies, Rogers, Bell, and Telus, uh, and online communication services, which is actually the language that they've been using. Uh, and that that would refer to some of those internet-based services that are out there. And uh, those services unquestionably cl- quite clearly offer a range of different services beyond just, you know, your basic um, Facebook or say Instagram type activity. And I think one of the questions that, that arose quite quickly is that while the government said they're going to exclude a kind of basic communication that might take place on, a, say, a WhatsApp or some of those the other kind of basic kind of communication services, they said pretty much the same thing when it came to Bill C-10. When they said, you know, listen, we're going to include we're going to include a clear exception for user generated content in that bill, and then yet, you know, a couple of months later, suddenly the exception for user generated content was off the table, uh, and would face certain kinds of regulation from the CRTC. And so, I think there's there's real cause for concern based on on just recent recent history that while the starting point from the government seems to be uh, that this has been that that. The, the, this is off the table for the moment, but this could really change uh, in the near future. Yeah, I, I keep coming back to whether freedom of expression or freedom of speech, uh, Canada freedom of expression, United States freedom of speech, whether it's under attack by this federal government. And I'm, I'm just wondering whether there needs to be concern that there'd be reluctance to post by individuals because of fear the bureaucracy would come down on even personal communication. Yeah, no, I think there are a number of, of speech concerns. I'd actually highlight one that I think, you know, is, is, you know, somewhat ironic given the government's professed view that what they want to do is support 
those groups, minority groups, uh, other groups that are often themselves the target of some of the online hate or other sort of these speech issues. And, you know, their argument is that what we see take place right now for some of these groups has a chilling effect. The argument being that, you know, if you are faced with all kinds of hate and vitriol and other sorts of things online, that actually may have the effect of making it more difficult for you to speak out. And I think that's a, a pretty reasonable approach to take. Uh, but, you know, by creating a system where there are these kinds of takedowns, and I should note that many of these takedowns will have to come come out within 24 hours uh, so that the incentives are to remove content. I think that the very groups the government is trying to protect will themselves be the target. So the kind of hate groups that are out there will turn their attention to the to these other groups and say we can now use these tools that the government has ostensibly established to try to stop us to actually target the speech of others and the incentives for the intermediaries for these large internet companies will be to take it all down yeah i wanted to ask you about that thanks for uh, thanks for raising that you write also canada has not created a domestic approach but rather has patched together some of the worst initiatives from around the world Talk to us about that, please. Yeah, so, you know, in some ways, I think that that really is the case. So I, I could start, I guess, with the 24-hour takedown uh, rule. So the idea being that that these large providers, the Facebooks of the world, would be required to remove content within 24 hours. And, you know, I think that there may well be instances that we want to see expeditious removal of content, you know, if we're talking about child pornography or terror content. But, you know, in this instance... By establishing that kind of rule, and it's a rule that's modeled on what we've seen in Germany, uh, we know from experience that that will result in the removal of lawful content because providers will simply move quickly to remove that content without the appropriate due process. And so it's treating speed of removal over, in a sense, accuracy or getting it right for the kind of content that I think in some instances we might want to have removed. So that's one one illustration where we've we've seen the experience, and in fact, uh, we're we're still moving in that direction. We're modeling as well some of our proposals on what we've seen in France, and in France, some of those proposals were even struck down by its constitutional court as being unconstitutional, and yet we're marching ahead. And so it's shocking in in many ways to see us have the opportunity to learn the lessons of what's taken place in other countries, and yet not take it on board, not adapt to try to develop our own set of rules and come out, I think, fundamentally, I should note, with a really unsophisticated approach. You know, this notion, for example, that child pornography is the same as online hate, which is the same as terror content, just isn't the case. And yet the government looks to try to treat all of that content the same. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.